This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This episode, pretty straightforward. Michigan has made uh, a number of assistant coach hires, the football team, that is, uh, in the last week or ch- and change, I guess maybe two weeks if you want to go back to when Mike Hart was hired. We're going to assess them. We're going to break down why each hire makes sense, uh, the questions that surround each hire, and then at the end, we'll have some general big picture questions about the entire staff uh it's college football so certainly things could change but they do have assistant coaches and it seems to be a picture of who's coaching at every position so steve i i know they that michigan formally announced the george helo and uh, mo linguist hires yesterday but i thought maybe we could go chronological here because we didn't actually we we we've touched on Mike Hart in a couple other situations. We've also discussed the Mike McDonald hire uh, a couple times. But just for the sake of this kind of lightning round thing, let's start with Mike Hart. Uh, of course, those if you don't know who Mike Hart is, welcome to Michigan football. He is the, <laughs> the Wolverines' greatest running back of all time, and he had a brief NFL career but really got into coaching a little bit sooner. Uh, So he's coached at Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Syracuse, and then he had been at Indiana for a few years. Uh, This, if there is a hire that, if we were to grade the hires, this is the one that I think gets an A. I mean, this makes all the sense in the world. Uh, He's proven himself as a position coach. He's proven himself as a recruiter and an evaluator of talent. Uh, Obviously, he has the Michigan connection. And I think he's someone that would be interested, not to get ahead of ourselves, but suppose there was a change uh, in who was coaching the football team. I mean, this is, he kind of reminds me, well, before he left for Ohio State, of Greg Madison, uh, you know, someone who could probably provide a lot of steadiness to the, to the offensive coaching staff, regardless of changes that were to occur. Uh, rising coach, still pretty young. Really, this makes sense in in every single way. Um, I mean, how, whatever you were looking for in, a, in an assistant coach, this is going to work uh, in theory. And and to Jay Harbaugh's credit, one, he's I think it's an underrated, selfless move. I mean, granted, it's it's with Jay, it's always going to be <laughs> a bit of a complicated situation because his dad's a head coach. But he was coaching running backs. Now he's not. And so for, for them to kind of make room and and make the connection to get Mike Hart to coach Michigan, I think might be the win of the offseason. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on the hire? Yeah, so it's not hiring an alum just to have an alum yes. on staff. Yes, you know I hate that. You know right? I hate when fans always bring up the alums. This is one that actually 
He checks every box. Like, man, they hired Mo Linguist. Why didn't they get Charles Woodson to come in and coach the cornerbacks? Because, you know, that's exactly what Charles Woodson wants to do. You know, and where's Tom yeah, Brady making... <laughs> while he's playing for the Bucs? He should be coaching Michigan's quarterbacks, too. You know, no, this is different. I mean, Hart had worked his way all the way up to associate head coach at Indiana, right? I mean, this is a guy loved by the Indiana staff, has really just consistently worked his way up the ladder. And my sense has always been, whether it was under Harbaugh or not, it just always, at the same time, it did just feel like someday that Mike Hart would be at Michigan in some capacity, right? I mean, it just yeah makes a lot of sense, like you said. You know, and I think he's a guy – Hard to imagine he's not going to be a plus-plus recruiter just because it is Mike Hart at Michigan. You know, I got to assume the passion, the effort, you know, for we know how much he loves the program. I mean, I was in his graduating class at Michigan. You know, I'm very more, you know, aware of Mike Hart than a lot of people are because that was that was the guy that I watched my four years while I was there. And so, you know, I think, yeah, A-plus a hire for sure. And then also, I think the other flip side was there was this weird, you know, and it's always, yeah, it's always weird when discussing Jay Harbaugh. Uh, but I, I think the other thing, too, really showcases his versatility as an assistant on this staff because, you know, kind of a malleable situation where Michigan can put him somewhere else, maybe to bring in a guy like Mike Hart. And it's not some referendum on his ability necessarily to co- coach whatever position. He may have been coaching. Yeah, it's not a demotion. No. And so, um, you know, I think I think there's some value in being able to do that, you know, and it is it's a that's a team oriented type situation and move there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can say much more about having Mike Hart back in Ann Arbor, you know, because and again, it is this isn't some concession hire just to have a token well-known alum and former player on the staff. I mean, he's, he's well-respected and, and revered as a, has become a very, very good assistant coach in a very short amount of time. So that's like I said, in a couple of, I think I said this on the board and it's just actually just kind of cool that Mike Hart is, is on the Michigan staff. I think it's, I think it will, it's something that casual fan can get excited about, you know, and I think it's something that diehard fan can get excited about, which, you know, though it's it's sometimes it's not easy to do to make a move that, you know, appeases both of those. And the cynical versus the optimistic. That too, right? Yeah, so, I, yeah, so I agree. All around good move. And, and, yeah, I think it'll be fun and interesting to see how he's able to recruit and how the backs are able to develop under him. Real quick, I'd add, and I, I posted this, a few days ago when the Charbonnet transferred went down Donovan Edwards, the big, and I think I mentioned this on a couple times, but worth reiterating Donovan Edwards, five-star guy they're bringing in from West Bloomfield ball security has been his biggest issue at West Bloomfield. And so it'll be really interesting that, you know, I think it's, it's a good connection for Mike Hart to be coming in right now when ball security was really one of his fortes at Michigan. I think he fumbled twice in his career and both were in the same game. You know, otherwise he was known as a guy that held on to the football. So I think just from a on at a micro level, you know, I think it's a pretty it's a good timing hire too for for a guy who has all the talent in the world coming in, maybe has a couple little things to fix 
you know, Hart might be the right guy to fix that up for him and, and get him on the field fast. So you know, that's another aspect of it. I would, you know, maybe consider as a, a plus in that regard. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's plenty to learn about Mike Hart as a coach, but I, I, I guess just for the sake of consistency, cause we're going to do it for every coach uh, questions about the hire, I guess the big one would be um, how different is the Michigan job versus the Indiana job. I know they're in the same conference. Uh, they're in the same division even, but are they, you know, there's always that it's always said, how is an assistant coach going to do once the polo has the Michigan logo on it? Cause you're obviously the expectations are higher, both for on-field production and for uh, recruiting. I mean, think about Indiana lost. Uh, I mean, they think they went five and seven in 2018 and they extended the coach. Right. And so it's a little, it's a little bit different of a situation. Um, and so that's, that's maybe the one question is, you know, how do the expectations, and this isn't an indictment on me suggesting Hart can't live up to them, but the expectations are going to be higher, um, both in recruiting and, and you're going toe to toe with programs that are more established. You could argue, I mean, programs that have been to playoffs pl- programs that have won conference titles, uh, you know, Indiana hasn't won a conference title since the sixties. So it's, um, it is a different job. I like, I, I, w- I imagine that it would be pretty similar and that he of all people would understand the differences, but that's maybe one question I have. And then, and then the other question I have is how quickly, uh, are the, are the results manifested? You know, it's it certainly seems like Michigan's running backs are in line to be pretty good this season. You know, Hassan, if Hassan Haskins is what you have, what you know, you have, and then the potential is with Blake Corum, um, Donovan Edwards and and Dunlap, then you're in a pretty good shape. Uh, but I guess the question is what kind of difference can that make for Michigan's offense? Because even if the running backs are talented, they, the football needs to move into the end zone. Right. And, and this past season, Felt like the running backs were talented. I know they trailed a lot in games, so that's part of why there's a lack of impact from the run game. But um, I guess my question is, how big of a difference can Mike Hart make? Because sometimes position coaches can be amazing, and you might not see the difference in the results on the field. So, Steve, any any questions about Mike Hart or anything that that you're kind of keeping an eye on the next few months to see uh, just what Michigan is getting in this hire. I mean, I think from an off season standpoint, they're really the biggest thing you're always looking at is recruiting. Right. I mean, I, as far as like actual roster, I had, I had to think, you know, he's inheriting a pretty good situation, even with the loss of Charbonnet. Yeah. Right? Probably top three or four in the big 10. One right? would think. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, you're bringing in two, four-star prospects. Edwards was the number two ranked running back in the entire class. I mean, you're bringing in a couple guys, I think that are capable of playing early. Now, again, we, I don't know. I don't suspect, you know, I don't know if we'll see a four back situation like we did last year necessarily. I don't think that I don't, that's music to fans ears. I don't think we, I mean, I'm not saying, I don't think the four back rotation, um, I mean, you can just debate it and discuss it, but I don't think that helped Michigan last. I agree. It was a blessing and a curse to have four talented guys that were good enough to play. Right. But difficult to figure out a way to disperse them all, keep them all happy and 
keep them, make them productive. So yeah, without being predictable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't an- anticipate a repeat there. Uh, so either way though, you know, I think you have three, maybe four backs who are capable of playing, you know, good football next season Two for sure. We know guys that are established, you know, I think the sky remains the limit for Blake Corum as well, you know, so he's inheriting yeah. a really good situation. Really the questions for me, from my standpoint, and not just because I do primarily cover recruiting, but I just think from now until even through spring ball, you know, I'm sure we'll hear little things about maybe some differences in philosophy or approach from Hart. But my biggest question is going to be recruiting wise because, well, because he is a former player and a visible one. Mm-hmm. So I think he has a chance to make a really big impact on the trail, you know, so I got, that'll really kind of be what I'm watching. And, I, I, I agree. And, and one benefit to this hire, and this isn't to suggest hiring former players would produce this in other contexts, but you're right. He's visible. He's, he's a known name. Like you don't have to do the, like back in my day, you know, it was, or, or anything like that. I mean, he was um, every Michigan fan. I feel like knows who Mike Hart is uh, again, would be very surprised if someone didn't, um, apologies if you were one of them, but anyways, uh, and then I think the other thing real quick, one more benefit that I didn't mention, cause you touched on the former player part. I think he's a former player in the era where former players actually, um, make really good coaches. You know, I think it, it reminds me, this is not an analogy ever or a comparison everyone will get. Um, but Chris Fetters, uh, Chris Fetter, excuse me, of, uh, of Michigan baseball. You know, he was a former player really around the same time Mike Hart was on campus. And he was kind of in that technology era where he really embraced the analytics. He embraced um, the new ways of coaching. He was the pitching coach for Michigan for a couple of years, helped really instrumental in helping them get to the college world series. Uh, now he's a pitching coach with the tigers. But I think, I think for a long time, former star players really struggled to coach because they were like, just do it. Like I did it. You know, it was hard. It was hard to, um, for some players or some former players did great, but many former players kind of ran into the situation where what happens if they're coaching a player who doesn't run as fast as they did, or, or isn't as big or isn't as strong or doesn't hang on to the football to, to get more specific to, to heart. And so, but I think he's someone that based on what I've briefly read on his time at, at Western Michigan and Syracuse and Indiana, is he's someone that embraces the new school teachings in addition to kind of having that old school um, mindset as a, as a competitor. So yeah, I think that's uh if there was a home run hire, that was, it was that one um, made sense. I think a lot of fans kind of had the reaction of about time. Um, obviously there's a lot that goes into all of these decisions, but felt like I I'm with you, Steve. It felt like at some point he was going to be coaching at Michigan. It was more of a matter of when, not if, uh, one guy who was a little bit, not nearly as uh, predicted, wasn't on any of our initial, our initial hot boards or anybody's really was the defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. Now we talked about his hire, uh, just the other day in our, in our previous podcast. Um, so feel free to listen to that if you want more discussion on it, but, but the strengths, um, well, Steve, actually I'll let you 
kind of outline the strengths you see in the McDonald hire first. Uh, so, so we'll do strengths and then we'll do questions. Um, bit of an out of nowhere hire, but certainly not one that isn't uh, pretty justifiable with what McDonald's accomplished so far. So it, I think he's, it's more of a, I don't want to say it's a trend, but you are seeing more and more younger guys that don't have like extensive resumes necessarily getting these types of opportunities. But again, I mean, for me, this one's, it's simple. I think the big question will be play calling if in fact, and I suspect he is the guy that is going to be calling Michigan's defense. I know linguist got the co-coordinator title, but I do think this is going to be Mike McDonald's show for the most part. Um, that'll be the big question, but hard to imagine that a guy who's coached with the Baltimore Ravens for six years likely got a huge endorsement from John Harbaugh is not ready for the opportunity. Right. So biggest question, what kind of defense is he going to run? I think three, four has been the most commonly noted, or at least it's what he's most familiar with. You wonder if it's a situation where he's just going to apply that philosophy or if he's going to have to take a look at Michigan's current roster and develop something that maybe fits best with the talent they that they have right now. You know, I think that'll be another interesting thing to watch. Uh, but overall, I like the hire. I think it's, again, I just can't fathom that John Harbaugh would hand someone over to his brother. I think this is maybe I repeat this from last time we talked about him, but it's just to me, it's the overarching theme that I don't think John Harbaugh would hand somebody over to Jim that he didn't think was more than capable of, you know, running a college defense. And so Georgia ties. So, you know, he understands recruiting. We've already done multiple reports of him talking with top targets already, you know, so I think he's starting to make an impact there, at least on the, on, on the effort side of things, you know? So again, there's a little fear of the unknown because he's never mm-hmm. called a college defense and he is a really young guy. Right. So it's, I'm not saying it's a no risk hire, uh, but I do see considerable upside and I think it's a risk worth taking at this point for Jim Harbaugh and, and Michigan. Yeah. I think, I think, the, the biggest strength, I, I, I'm with you. I, he, he was an established, well-liked coach in the NFL with, with one of the better defensive um, franchises in the NFL, too. I mean, not just the past few years when he was there and coaching the linebackers, but uh, for, for a couple decades, it seems like Baltimore has been synonymous with great defenses. So for, and John Harbaugh is a defensive focused coach. Uh, it's so for him to, cause my, my read on it and Steve, maybe I'm wrong here, but is that McDonald was kind of outgrowing his job as linebackers coach in Baltimore. Uh, and they probably weren't going to have a new defensive coordinator anytime soon. So I think that's where, that's where the interest in, in moving came from. Um, but yeah, young, younger guy. I, 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 I hate to, um, act like a, a coach who's younger is automatically a better recruiter. It kind of reminds me of like any time a football player is listed as being down 10 pounds. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it was all fat that he lost and that he's just automatically faster and quicker. I mean, there's, um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't think he gets hired if, if he doesn't give a pretty encouraging answer for how he's going to recruit. Cause he, he, his connection before Baltimore was Georgia uh, those are two pretty good programs to have on your resume. And so 
uh, yeah, the strength I think is, is, you know, that he was established that he's been a part of and well, well regarded at two pretty defensively strong programs uh, in Georgia and then Baltimore biggest question pretty much the whole, the whole on-field portion. I mean, we don't know what his defenses will look like. We don't know if it will be good. Um, we don't know necessarily uh, what kind of coordinator he is, but so that's a lot of questions actually. Uh, so it is a risk. And and I guess Steve, while we're talking about him, do you knowing that the other names that were contacted, do you think having someone new, having a fresh face, having someone that is quote on the rise can be better for a year one impact than someone who is established, who has proven themselves, who can come in and maybe say, Hey, I've done this because I think, I think it can really vary on the situation. Uh, I think they're both can be benefits. Both can be um, detriments in terms of getting buy-in in terms of establishing a scheme really early. Cause I think one thing Michigan maybe can benefit from this is the defense won't be predictable. I mean, it will be by the end of the season, but think about Muschamp by now, pretty much every good program knows what will Muschamp's defense looks like. Same with Derek Mason. You could argue the same with Charlie strong and, and some of the other names like Phil Parker uh, was maybe another name that was, that was touched on. No one has any film on Mike McDonald. I mean, they, they'd probably look at Todd Grantham. They'd probably look at what Baltimore's done lately, but um, yeah, there is there is an interesting amount of possibility there too. Yeah, I think your last point about the, the retreads, and I don't mean to dismiss other candidates by calling them retreads, but as you said, a lot of these guys have been around so long that you, and they, they are what they are, that you know what they're going to bring to the table, right? So I think that's a great point. But again, you know, Michigan's going to get slept on a lot next year because of how this year went played out, but they really do bring back a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. And I think there's a, you know, one of our criticisms, and I thought it was interesting for Don Brown to, what is first presser as Arizona defensive coordinator to bring up the fact that, you know, he had to play two walk-ons at a couple positions this year when the whole season we were wondering why they weren't giving some of these young top. Yeah. They had a lot of four-star freshmen to have to play two walk-ons. Yeah. You know, like to even give them an opportunity and you wonder if, you know, this is a good hire and that maybe it'll allow some more of this talent to shine through faster, you know? And, and, and I, so in, in that regard, I think it may raise the ceiling for Michigan. Uh, I think, as far as like the possibility, I'm not saying that it, they're going to hit that ceiling, but I do think it maybe creates more of a high reward, you know, type situation for some guys, particularly we look at linebacker as a spot where they had a lot of young talent that we heard a lot of good things about. And we never saw any of them in any situation last year. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I do think there's that, um, but no, I mean, it'll be, be fascinating. I mean, this is a whole, this is a revamp across the board. Really, I mean, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how he takes the pieces they have and puts them in place, you know, but I agree the fresh face, new energy. And while I, 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 your point about the recruiting, I think is, it makes sense. I think at least with youth, 
younger coaches, I think you're at least going to get the effort. I don't necessarily yeah. – yeah, that doesn't always translate into recruiting wins and success, but I think it – Yeah, you don't have him saying, I'm too old for this or or not understanding. Not understanding. Yeah, exactly. Recruiting has changed a ton. Exactly. And so, so. I think a younger, fresher group, you're at least going to get a lot more juice, a lot more energy on the trail. And, and yeah, while that may – we'll see if it translates to some bigger wins – you know, against some bigger schools and against some of the top schools in the country. But I think it gives you a better chance, you know. And, and like I said, I mean, it's been said a thousand times at this point, but you're seeing the same four or five schools at the top of the recruiting rankings every year. And you happen to be seeing the same four or five schools winning the conference and playing for the, in the playoff every year right mm-hmm. now, too. So, you know, I think it's it's a it's a plus in that regard to at least the possibility early indications from what I know. I think he's going to be a pretty good recruiter and uh, I think he's going to be an asset in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it seems like the more I read when I was doing the stories kind of on, on his heart, the more I read about his time in Baltimore, the more it seemed like, well, it should be viewed the same as take the best or third best or second best NFL offense, take their quarterbacks coach. And that's probably someone who's getting a lot of calls to be an offensive coordinator, especially at the college level. So um, plenty makes sense there. Plenty of unknown. Uh, next one, much, much more unknown. Cert- I mean, I don't think we're going to sugarcoat this or pretend like we knew anything about this. George Hilo, the new safeties coach, uh, his track record kind of bounced around as a, as a GA slash intern type player. Uh, with his first, the first, his first boss was Nick Saban. Uh, second boss was Jimbo Fisher at Florida State when they won the national title. Uh, and then he was at Georgia for a couple years. Went to Colorado State. Uh, two years into his time there, was promoted from within to become the safeties coach there. And then this past offseason, Mike Loxley of Maryland hired him to be the special teams coach and inside linebackers coach. So another coach on the rise. Uh, but I think one with significantly less experience. And so that to me, the, the strengths, I guess you can talk about the, the youth, the energy, uh, the fact that he's been a part of two national championship winning teams and a couple pretty good teams at Georgia. Uh, but the questions are the, the list of questions is a lot longer than the list of known strengths. You know, we don't know, uh, how he is at coaching safeties. We don't know his X's and O's. We don't know, um, you know, Colorado State and Maryland, they do recruit, but how, you know, they don't recruit at Michigan's level. They don't probably even, they probably don't even have the national recruiting efforts that that Michigan would. So plenty, plenty of unknowns, plenty of question marks. So in in the context of, the other safeties coaches they were looking at uh, certainly, you know, going to, he's always going to be compared, I guess I should say to, to the, what could have been's, but Steve, your thoughts on, on the hire of George Hilo. Biggest thing I want to know about it is whether or not this was a Mike McDonald hire, or if this was a Jim Harbaugh hire, right? There's, would that make a difference in, in how um, you view it? A bit as far as I think having 
some kind of chemistry on your coaching staff and maybe having a one or two guys that you've worked with and, and know, I think can be a benefit. So I think that, that, you know, the fact that his name kind of, I mean, that was way out of left field. That was definitely the most left field of the, of the, any of the hires they've made. Right. So, you know, I think that'll be one thing would love to learn and, and find out, which I'm sure we'll get an answer on that in the near future, but um, yeah, you know, and then really, Hilo gets to walk in and coach maybe the most talented player on the team right off the bat in Daxton Hill. So um, it's automatically a plus because they didn't really even have a safeties coach on the field last year. So I suppose right. it's already a net positive, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say his resume is there. We, you know, again, I look at a guy who's had extensive experience down South as a guy that you at least at the very least has to understand the recruiting game. Yeah, at least the value of recruiting exactly so yeah. there is that and um i know like in doing some a little bit of digging on it i know our maryland site does not add secondary recruiters to their commitments i suspect we would have seen some that he was involved in if that was the case including brandon jennings the former michigan commit who signed with the terrapins in december that's tough so well his <laughs> primary i mean to be clear the primary and that one was the Maryland's D-line coach who had a right 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 but I still think Hilo may have been the second but he player. would have been he would have been working with Hilo right yeah, absolutely so so okay <laughs> yeah, no, quite a whirlwind of a couple months there for for him and his family but um yeah but otherwise I mean it is this is definitely kind of the wild card under you know it's going to be it's not going to be talked about much you know, it's really going to be more the fast, one of the more fascinating hires that they've made, not just this offseason, but in recent memory, just because there's not a lot out there. And, um, you know, I don't know if he'll help out with special teams. I saw he was also special teams coordinator. Um, it didn't li- they didn't list that. You know, I think it said safeties coach. I don't know if he'll maybe lend a helping hand because he has experience there or what. But, you know, I, I suspect that this was – we had been told that McDonald would get some say in a couple hires. And I, I kind of wonder if this was one where he kind of made the call on. Kind of, I would, I would think so. Um, I don't think they overlapped at Georgia, but they did both work at Georgia. And then obviously they were both in the, in Maryland. Um, I'm not sure. I had no idea who he was uh, when, when I, when we first ca- caught wind that the hire was, was happening. And so he will, it's maybe it's unfair, but he will be compared to the other names that were mentioned, you know, Clink, Mincher, Banks. Um, I'm not sure if there was a fourth one that, and, and again, not, we have no idea what level of contact there was or what level of uh, reciprocal interest there was in those tires, but he is going to be compared to that. But I will say uh, one, one thing to, to keep in mind is, you know, Chris Partridge, was another he he actually had a little bit more on-field coaching experience than than Hilo does but uh was another guy who really um you know didn't have the long resume didn't have the long list and almost immediately was an elite recruiter and and a pretty well regarded on-field coach as well and it wasn't just 
his high school that, that, you know, they were recruiting. Well, I mean, he became a, he helped them kind of break into Georgia for the first time and seemingly forever. I, he was the national yes. recruiter of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, helped Michigan kind of become national in recruiting again. So certainly not going to, I'll, you know, not probably unfair to write him off. Uh, but yeah, we really know next to nothing about the hire. So, so plenty, we'll see plenty in the coming weeks. All right. We're going to pause, take a quick break on the other side. We have one more assistant coach hire to talk about along with some bigger picture questions. Don't go anywhere. This is the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com podcast. All right, thanks for waiting. Let's get back to it. And then the final hire that was made, uh, Mo Linguist. Hart gets the A. If I were to assign a grade, I think I think Linguist would probably get an A or A minus. Uh, comes from the Dallas Cowboys. Didn't sound like he was going to be at the Dallas Cowboys much longer. I think the more uh, significant recruiting battle that Michigan did to to land Linguist was uh, Florida. Dan Mullen had had worked with linguist before at Mississippi state, but he comes from, he was at the Cowboys for a year, uh, Texas native. He was at Texas A&M for two years, Minnesota for one year, uh, under PJ Fleck, Mississippi state, Iowa state before Matt Campbell. Um, and then he played for Baylor and kind of worked his way up shortly after that. Another young guy. I think he's 36. Uh, but he has, accomplished a lot especially on the recruiting side of things he hasn't stayed at a school long enough to really get a sense for how he is at developing talent or on-field coaching but i know uh can't can't give away the full quote because it's a vip story but sam tracked down jordan lewis jordan lewis offered his endorsement of linguists uh jordan lewis all-american at michigan cornerback for the cowboys so i i think this hire checks pretty much every box. I think the, the question is the questions are, um, I guess one, how long will he be at Michigan? I mean, he really has bounced. I don't think he stayed anywhere more than two years yet. Uh, and then two, 
can what has seemingly worked at other schools work at Michigan? Similar, I guess, to Hart, where, I mean, it's just, how is the fit? Uh, it seems like he'll be a really aggressive recruiter, arguably maybe the the lead recruiter on the defensive side of the ball. It certainly seems that way. And I think one thing with Hilo and McDonald is linguist can kind of mentor them in that sense. And, and you mentioned McDonald, probably the defensive play caller. We'll have to see. Uh, but linguist might be in charge of everything else. Cause he's been a part of big time programs. He's been a part of power five programs. He knows what it takes to be successful on the recruiting trail. So um, yeah, not, not too many questions really just say, can it work for Michigan? Will it work for Michigan? And not to, you know, we'll, I'll let the recruiting podcast talk about this more, but you know, a couple very particular cornerback targets for Michigan in this 2021 recruiting class, uh, linguists can probably earn his salary very quickly, I guess is how I would put it. So, uh, Steve strengths and questions for Mo linguist. Thanks is recruiting. I mean, we've already been covering, I mean, it's, it's been a whirlwind already. I mean, he's thrown out, I think seven or eight offers in the last 36 hours, which is refreshing. <laughs> so I think recruiting is, is definitely something that he's going to help Michigan out. I think he finished two years at A&M the one year he finished. I can't remember which cycle. Was 19th. Which. 19th. Was that 2019 that he finished 19th? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So the 2018, cycle, he was like 35th. Right. But he was responsible for 10. That was the flip side is his per average, his per recruit average was lower in 2018, but he helped reel in 10 commitments that cycle. So, you know, there's two years of like what I would consider elite recruit. I mean, that's like comparable to what Sharon Moore has done, let's say so far at Michigan on the recruiting trail or Chris Partridge. I mean, he's at least as far as his ability in the college game, he's at that level or has shown that he can be. So, uh, good fit in that regard. And like I said earlier, I, I suspect this is actually, I suspect this is going to be Mike McDonald's defense. I don't know if linguist is going to be the guy calling the plays, you know? So from like an actual X's and O's coaching standpoint, I would just look at his upward mobility. I mean, Minnesota to Texas A&M, which again, maybe that's a recruiting aimed higher originally. And we don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Texas A&M's past defense looked like the last few years or whatever, but um you move on to the NFL though. After that, to me, that's a clear indication. The guy knows how to coach. You're not doing any recruiting. I was going to say, NFL. you're doing more than recruiting. If the and, NFL is hiring abs- you. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so I, you got to suspect that he has an idea of what he's doing there. Right. So, you know, I think this to me is a sort of a classic Harbaugh, like rabbit out of his hat type hire of which he's had a few of these. I feel like where not a name we'd heard until right before it went, official pretty much um, name that was not mentioned at all in the weeks or the, or the couple weeks leading up to the hire, but a guy that on the surface, you know, looks like a really good addition for them, you know, as far as helping to accumulate more talent. And like I said, you go from Minnesota to AM to the Dallas Cowboys, pretty good idea that you know how to coach too. So um I'd say this Jordan Lewis would not have picked up the phone if he wasn't going to say something good about. Uh, yeah. He could have just assist- said nothing. An assistant. Yeah. Coach, right. And that's cause that's not his style. So, you know, I think, I think that's 
important note also. So yeah, that was another, again, half out of left field, but uh, this one, a major upside though. Right. I mean, like I said, so I posted on the board this morning and I know we won't go too deep into recruiting, but uh, six, four star or five star cornerbacks in Texas in the 2022 cycle, zero of them had Michigan offers until 24 hours ago. Now four of them do. And I suspect hmm. the other two may end up with offers here in the near future as well. So already really putting in the work on the recruiting trail. He's been the most noticeable hire as far as recruiting goes so far for Michigan. And he's only, he's been here shorter, like a less amount of time than the other guys have. So, um, so yeah, no, a lot of upside there. And, and again, I think it's clear that these, these hires are aimed at a younger, more youthful, more energetic and, and more aggressive uh, on the recruiting trail. And now we just kind of got to see how that translates on the field. Yeah. Couple final questions about the whole group. Um, Cause they do have a position coach at every position now. One thing that I'm wondering, and there's a few different parties that Michigan has to consider here. Uh, did, did Michigan take too long with these hires? I mean, certainly from, from us as writers standpoint, you know, how many, how many days did we say, Oh, you know, I, I can't go work out or, Oh, I can't uh, go to this thing because, um, there might be breaking news. So obviously like for us, we, we might say yes, but in terms of the fans, uh, because the fans are, I mean, they do have to sell tickets. They do have to, you know, they're trying to drum up support for the program. Uh, and then you think about the current players, not very many transferred. So plenty of faith from the players within the locker room. Uh, but obviously that's a long time to go, not even knowing who your coach might be. And then, and then the recruiting side, uh, I don't think anyone would say that, that January 20th to decide on your coaches would be optimal. How detrimental was it uh, to wait effectively a month? I, I can't remember the exact date Don Brown was fired. I want to say it was December 21st or 22nd. Uh, but how detrimental was it to go, oh, we'll call it a month a month without finalizing your coaching staff. That's what I don't think we can answer until we see the fruits of their labor recruiting. Again, I think it's a recruiting thing more than anything with the timing, right? How do they do in the portal? Cause we know they're going after some guys in the portal, right? You know, how does that end up? Does it, can they finish on Ray Sean Benny? or George Rooks and or George Rooks. Cause really, I mean, the thing is with 21, there really wasn't, aren't many guys that are recruiting still. Will it hurt them in 22? I mean, 22, it's so early, but are kind of getting to that point in the cycle where some of these kids are getting already getting a little tired of the process and, and want to at least make their initial verbal commitment, I guess would be the best way to say it. So I, I don't know. I mean, if there were, if they had had like four or five, like legit targets out there in 21, with signing with the second signing day coming up very fast. I, maybe I'd be more inclined to say it's really hurt them. Uh, to me, it'll be more about how they finish in the portal, you know, from a coaching and team standpoint, that's why getting that 21 class locked up on early signing day was so important, you know, and it's, and none of those guys have dropped out peers. They all, you know, they have uh, almost half of them have enrolled early and it doesn't mm -hmm. look like any of them are, 
questioning their decision or, or having second thoughts, you know? So I think that was kind of the pr- almost really maybe the key to allowing them to maybe take their time and, and make what they believe were the right hires and not just rush hires to salvage some kind of recruiting situation. Cause it's not typical, like with the amount of turnover Michigan's had on the staff this year, it's not, it's not your typical situation where it's, it's a whole revamp and Hey, we're going to be patient with the program as a whole. And what, no, this, like this, there's pressure to win now still, even with this total turnover and, and revamp of this coaching staff. So that's why I think recruiting a little more important in how they handle this coaching situation, like these changes, maybe more than if it was like an actual, like legit rebuild or a head coaching change where you got to kind of, got to kind of blow the whole thing up and start over again. And they don't have that luxury. So I feel like they right. mitigated most of the recruiting potential recruiting pitfalls with this transition. The question, like I said, will really be about what the product ends up being with the portal. And if we'll see how this hurts or helps them in 22. Well, I was, I was going to say the, the portal, I do think they waited too long. I think, you know, I know it's tough because the Ravens were in the playoffs. Like McDonald's not going to, that's just asking for distractions and tension from, from both parties, really Baltimore and Michigan fans. Um, but I think Penn state, I, I could be wrong. I think I saw yesterday they announced six transfer additions. So not just landed commitments from six, but like got to the point where they were formally announcing and confirming their enrollment already. Uh, the the portal is is a different ball game than it used to be. Not just five years ago, or not just twenty years ago, but like a year ago. It's a different game, and I mean, sounds like they're already going after some p- p- players are entering the portal every day. But you know, someone like uh, like an Antonio Shelton, if Mi- Michigan reached out, connected. He chose Florida. Whether that was related to Michigan's coaching staff, we don't know. Florida could have just offered um, a better situation for him. But, yeah, every time a player committed, I was kind of like, might be good for Michigan to have a coaching staff settled. Uh, so that's that's really, I mean, you know, the fans, they'll get over it, I, I think. Uh, I would say this, though. Oh, go ahead. I think, I think there's some value to maybe exercising patience in the portal as well. Not saying because Penn state got a couple of the kid, they got out of Duke uh, Tangelo, I think is a really good player, but I think, I don't think we're even close to being done as far as seeing guys enter. I actually think you'll like spring ball too. Yes. uh, The post spring ball depth charts. Yes. So that's another, you know, so I agree. You know, I think there were some guys out there where it's like, you know, maybe losses, uh, but I, I'm not, especially got to think too, though, with the potential change in defensive philosophy, you know, that you don't want to marry yourself to a guy in the portal. And then all of a sudden you, you make your DC hire, you make the best possible hire. Oh, I wasn't believe. saying land a transfer before they had a DC. I'm right, saying right. get the I, DC sooner so you can land the transfer sooner. Sure. I, uh, I just think time will tell because I do think, I don't think you're even close to seeing, well, I mean, just uh, the kid out of Tennessee, the, former five-star linebacker. I mean, Michigan is actually going to be involved there, you know, and he just entered the portal yesterday. So 
you know, and I think you're going to keep seeing more and more guys enter. And then like, yeah, like the second wave will be in the spring. So there's still time. I just, you know, I don't know, making a hire a couple weeks earlier, maybe they land one of these other guys that we had kind of written about or guys that we knew that who was remaining Mm -hmm. (laughs) was trying to recruit or was, was talking to. So uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they do have the staff and that's, I mean, you know, we can talk about how it, I think it went on a little too long, maybe a week or two. Uh, seemed like, seemed like Michigan or, or Harbaugh. I'm not sure who was making the decisions. Seemed like they wanted to get every single hire and announce it all at once. I don't know if that. I don't know if if that was necessarily something that benefits them. Um, you know, I think, you know, McDonald. I think we had reported he was going to be the guy for like eight eight days, maybe a week. Uh, before he was actually the guy, is there any any reason not to let him get started? I, I understand that there was something to be said for waiting for the for the Ravens to lose, but that's another thing. Anyway, um, I think they waited a little long, but I don't think it was disastrously long. I think I think the fact that Michigan has still only had what six players enter the portal uh, suggests that the players, in addition to the signees that you mentioned, the players are, are willing to wait uh, to get this right. I think they, I don't think there is a lost locker room here. I think this is a situation where um, players want to get this right too. And, you know, I think Aiden Hutchinson confirming that he was going to return plenty of reason for him to return regardless of coach. But I think that was, that was a sign of faith in my opinion that they have eight returning starters and they want to keep it at eight returning starters. They don't want to, you know, players aren't trying to go elsewhere, jump ship yet. Uh, Next question. And I think you and I are probably on the same page for this one, but obviously there'll be lots of people asking questions about it. They decided to keep Brian Jean Marie. They decided to keep Sean Nua. Um, We don't need to discuss, Oh, did they get it right? But, but, how different do you think those coaches can can be if not you know being retained because clearly them being retained is a sign uh from from Michigan from Jim Harbaugh that they think that both can produce more than what we saw on the field in 2020 so how big of a difference can they be with a new defensive coordinator a couple new assistants on the defensive side of the ball uh, BJ, for those who don't know, was coaching linebackers. Sean Nua was coaching defensive line. I don't think either position group produced to what they were capable of last season, uh, nor did they produce to the level that is deemed accept- acceptable by Michigan fans. So um, they're on board. Not much is changing about that. So Steve, your thoughts on how different uh things can look for them in the coming year. Well, we've seen that Harbaugh was not afraid to move on from what we would consider established. You know, they moved on from Mike Zordich. Yeah. He moved on from the more established. You know that like, yeah. uh, Fired Don Brown. So you, you have to think between the current players on the roster, just Harbaugh's own intuition, the new hires, primarily McDonald, probably that 
the consensus is that these guys were either, I don't want to say like hamstrung by Don Brown's scheme and maybe recruiting style or what, you know, cause I think, I think the consensus for a while is that Nua wouldn't be back. Right. I mean, I thought it seemed like, yeah, headed that direction. Certainly. I think we both discussed it on the podcast that we didn't expect him to return. Right. And, so. and he's been, I mean, they've announced he's retained. It's not a question anymore. So yeah, you got to think, right. That there must be some, there must've been some, maybe it wasn't a great fit, which is odd. Cause I mean, they, they, these guys were hired to coach under Don Brown. Uh, you know, maybe there wasn't some, uh, the right fit schematically or what, well, you know what I mean? Like there had to be something that, cause again, there was no, with the moves that we've seen made, it's clear there was no allegiance or, or it was, it's not a question of like staying loyal or anything. Cause he got, you know, they moved on from some good coaches who produce a lot of good players here, you know? So there must've been some sort of intuitive thinking or, or conversations that, you know, allowed him to feel like they needed, they could move forward with, you know, uh, with these guys on staff, you know, and, I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think it's, it's interesting that, that Nua was kept not in a negative way either. I think it's a pretty fascinating idea with just the, even the recruiting angle where if there's one thing we learned, I have a hard time. I kind of suspect that Don Brown and Sean Nua wanted to recruit different types of players up front. I guess that'd be the best way to put it. I know I don't know if Sam or Bryce had posted on that a couple I, weeks ago. I think ago. there has been a post right. for our subscribers. Yeah. I, uh, it's older, though. It's okay to mention that. I mean, I'm just speaking somewhat cryptically, but I, I think there was a difference in philosophy in the types of players that one wanted to recruit versus what Don Brown wanted to recruit. And I think if people knew, I think the fans would side, side more on what Sean knew his philosophy was recruiting-wise. So there is that. And also, I believe at Arizona State, he was coaching in a 3-4 defense. If I remember. Okay. All right. So, might be another reason why maybe Michigan thinks he deserves another opportunity, you know. So, um, and I mean, he was there too. Quiddy Pay got a lot better, you know, and, yes. and, he, and he inherited what we've talked about now with, with Luigi Villain departing. You know, he inherited a room of the 2017 defensive line class has now been a an absolute complete massive bust outside of Quiddy Pay. You know, I would yes. compare I would compare yeah. it's been compared to the uh, 13 O-line class. I'm willing to call it worse at this point. Well, because there were more people more players involved, right? Uh the 13 O-line class got like nothing from anybody. I would almost compare say like Donovan Jeter to Patrick Kugler as mm-hmm. far as like a guy who like played but never really Late, late, late bloomer. Yeah, but really maybe didn't even like fully bloom either, but was just a a player, good player for them. Well, he's still on the team. He's got one more year, but. Yeah, and we'll see if he comes, you know, we'll see if he comes back or not. And and again, I mean, he's a guy that we did hear a lot of good things about, but, you know, just you're talking about a unit that realistically should or would have had three or four other fourth-year players, whether they're redshirt juniors or seniors, like up front this season and none of their, you know, all four or five star guys and none of them, you know, so he did inherit that also. So, you know, a lot into it, not making excuses or trying to rationalize it, just trying to talk out and think about what 
maybe was the reasoning behind that decision. So right, uh, it'll be, you know, there's some good, like the sense I always got about Michigan up front is that they felt like, and again, this is not like, I don't know, hype speaker, but that they felt close with a lot of guys like a Gabe Newberg, uh, Chris Jenkins, you know, that there were, there were other guys, there were guys in the interior and up front in general that are close, but just not quite there. Upshaw who played a lot this year and showed flashes, but just, you know, so I think that'll be interesting to see how that aspect develops and how some of these other guys can come in and, and make an impact. Yeah. I read, first of all, we didn't get to see what Jean-Marie could do. I, we, we didn't, um, he was only on campus for like eight months, <laughs> 10 months, maybe uh, he was, he was hired last year and his accomplishments. He, he was, he's pretty darn qualified. I mean, he's been at Texas, uh, was a coordinator or at least a, a co DC um, at South Florida was also, at, I mean, he effectively wherever Charlie strong has been, he has been. And so certainly I think he's, deserving of a of another year i guess the question there was did mcdonald have a linebackers coach he wanted to bring in evidently um bj got the nod yeah with nua because I, I i think you and i both ex- well maybe expected's a little strong but we anticipated that he would probably be let go but i agree with you i think this is very much a sign that jim felt Jim Harbaugh felt the 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 root of Michigan's defensive problems had to do with the well the old school east coast driven you know recruit a guy and develop them into something more uh kind of approach I think he now or he feels I don't know how long he's felt this way that they can recruit nationally all over the country and they can work with guys who can make an earlier impact. It doesn't have to be build them up or mold the clay for three years. And then he plays. Uh, so, and Sean Nua does not have, I mean, I, I, I think you can look at Michigan's recruiting class, the two years that Sean Nua has been involved and probably infer that Don Brown had a pretty strong say in the defensive lineman Michigan could recruit or Michigan could prioritize as top targets, I should say. Um, so s- certainly Harbaugh interprets it that way. Otherwise, he wouldn't have kept him. You know, BJ was a little different. I could see Harbaugh saying, that's that's a guy we need to see another year of. Um, we didn't hire him for no reason. Fair to give him another shot. Nua had two years, and they weren't two good years. So for Harbaugh to keep him, uh, suggests that he thinks that there is, there can be change. Very interesting point about the three four, um, and suddenly, if you think about who's coming back for Michigan on the defensive line, a three four. I mean, they've probably got a two deep ready to go on the defensive line. So, going to be uh, interesting there. I guess the one thing that I, I one one more concern, and you're welcome to to swat it away if you if you'd like. But looking at these hires, you know, I, I, I wouldn't expect any of them to be paid as much as, well, maybe linguist, but it is there a concern to be 
fostered uh, that Michigan is going a little too cheap on the hires because uh, McDonald, I don't, we don't know what their salaries are going to be. I assume he's not going to be a 1.7 million like Don Brown was, or like what a George Ma- or George Mason, excuse me, a Mason must champ, um, you know, Levitt, some of those other bigger names would have been Hilo. I don't know what Maryland was p- paying him off the top of my head. Uh, got to imagine he will be a one among the lower paid assistant coaches on staff. Uh, and then Nua and, and BJ, both of them would have involved buyouts. So you kind of get the pattern that I'm, I'm developing here. Um, is that a fair concern for fans to have that Michigan, you know, cause going cheap for some fans, that's music to their ears for others. That suggests that makes one wonder if Michigan is investing enough in being a championship caliber program. So any, any concern on that front, looking at this higher uh, kind of understanding that this is probably a much less expensive in terms of contracts, defensive coaching staff than previous tenures have been. Maybe. I mean, didn't we kind of talk ourselves out of it a little bit as far as say you hire Will Muschamp, you're paying top dollar probably for him to run your defense. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd be expensive. Yeah. Right. But we're, so and we're talking about how he's kind of known so that it makes maybe from Michigan standpoint, it made sense to go after a guy with some fresh ideas or maybe some innovative stuff from the pros, you know, so because he's being paid a less salary, does that mean Michigan's not trying as I, I, I get, I can see the argument in some aspects. Right. But then I think you look at a higher, like, like linguist, because like a, really it come it came down to, to me, uh, recruiting in a lot of the areas. Again, to go back to recruiting, but really again, that's I think that's a lot of what these hires were aimed at, like maybe promoting a different culture and, you know, a different philosophy on the recruiting trail. So, I feel like they achieved most of what they what I think they needed to set out to do at the beginning of this when we knew that there were going to be wholesale changes. So I don't know. I mean, if you're, I I suppose if you, that's like anything else. I mean, I don't want to make it sound too cheap, but like you can go bargain shopping and come out with (laughs) like, I don't know that that sounds like that's a little too strong, but it's the, the, the gist of it is that, you know, you can make better hires and not pay top dollar necessarily. Yeah, the most expensive hire is not necessarily the best hire. Right. So it's not, and again, that's not a guarantee that all these new hires are going to work out or anything. But I think, you know, I think there's ways. Again, I I do get the argument though. The the flip side is, is like you're seeing Auburn pay like massive buyouts and and all these other programs where we know that Michigan, even with COVID and the revenue laws, like Michigan has more money than almost any of these programs do. You know, and and not to mention Harbaugh just took a pay cut himself. Well, that goes, I would argue that goes with the theme that Michigan is cheaping out. Possibly, yeah. Right. I'm I, not I, I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but it's if if that's the argument you're making, a 50% pay cut for Jim Harbaugh would suggest um or could suggest if that was the argument you were making. Go ahead, continue. Sorry. No, I'll just saying it'll be basically we we have to see what the numbers are first. We don't know them yet, but yep, it is hard to say or imagine that that the overall won't be less based on just intuition and what right. it seems like. Right. So 
I don't know. I just think it comes down to just having to be more thorough and more, you know, resourceful, I suppose, in, in evaluating and making your hires. It's, um, you know, I think that's the best way to answer it. I don't know. We don't know if it's a negative or a positive so far, you know, so. Yeah, I, I guess the, the concern is if Derek Mason did get hired, Muschamp did get hired, um, you know, is, is Michigan getting outbid? Because if you're getting outbid on your coaches, you might get beat out on the recruiting trail, which means you might get beat out on the field. So I can, I can definitely see the concern. Um, you know, I, I would be lying if I said it hadn't crossed my mind, like, huh, you know, they, they had a couple other options that were out there, but they went with a, the lesser known name. Is that a sign that they are trying to go on the cheap? Interesting point you bring up about the buyouts. Maybe if, if Michigan, it really is trying to be top 10 team or bust. Maybe that is the approach to have is instead of kind of hamstringing yourself to gigantic contracts, uh, because, you know, Steve, you and I both said this, we both said this after the 2019 season, very justifiable to have gotten rid of Don Brown sooner, but maybe did that contract play a role? So that's something to, uh, to consider is, you know, you don't want to be inflexible. So I guess we'll see. Uh, there were other coaching targets that, I was very intrigued by, and so if they end up getting hired by, a couple of them already have, but if they end up getting hired by competitors to Michigan, you know, co- teams that are kind of on the same level, uh, then I think there is at least some cause for concern. But but one thing I will say, and and it leads into our last question, is every single coach that they hired would have been coaching a Power Five program. If, if it wasn't at Michigan, they would have been coaching or, or McDonald might've stayed in the NFL maybe, but um, you know, linguist would have been at Florida uh, Hilo, whether it's um, whether it was at Maryland or elsewhere would have, would have been at the power five level. Um, and so, yeah, everyone, everyone would be coaching a power five school somewhere else. So it's not like they went out on a complete and total limb and, you know, got, got the total bargain, you know, the clearance rack. I mean, this, these were all liked and coveted power five coaches. So um, maybe they did, maybe they are going on the cheap, but I'm inclined to think that they, they went with names that they felt would fit well together and that they felt could have the higher ceiling. You know, we talked about McDonald. He's a big swing. You do need a big swing right now for this defense. Same at cornerback, same at safety. So final question could be quicker one. Did they address all the needs that they needed? You know, back in December, we kind of touched on what this particular coaching staff and team needs from new coaches. Obviously, I think, I think the recruiting, we've talked about that. Um, the development and the X's and O's part, I think there's, there's, it remains to be seen a little bit, but I, I feel like they addressed most of the needs there. Definitely feel like Mike Hart 
addresses all the needs going back to him for a second, but did they, uh, did they accomplish everything that they needed to accomplish? Whether it was their number one choice or the number five choice, we won't know. We don't know what the contract is yet, but in terms of what they needed to get, Steve, do you feel like they got it from their staff? Does this, does this feel like a, a defensive staff that has everything it needs to be successful? It feels like it. You know, I think there's a good mix of youth, experience, connection. You know, we talk about even a guy like Hilo has extensive SEC ties, you know, and again, it's it's remains to be seen how these guys will perform, but they're at least coming from areas where they understand the magnitude of college football and understand what winning programs look like, right? So um, I don't feel like they made any, like, reaches or any like I don't think anything was outrageous by any means if anything I think I like I said I think there's a real high ceiling opportunity here it really comes down to McDonald though I think is is how we'll end up viewing that's a that's a great point Uh, assistant assistant coaches I think sometimes fans kind of like recruit I mean recruits matter as a whole but like one particular recruit is not going to be the difference between 12 and 0 and 8 and 4. Uh just like one position coach. I mean certainly a good one can make a big difference for you, but you're right. It is it's much more the coordinator than necessarily each individual position coach. Right. And since he's not like a known or established name in the college coaching world, you know, I think that's what this will end up being judged by, you know, because again, I mean, it's at this point, it's a fact Harbaugh that the pressure is very real. They have a, they have enough talent on both sides of the ball to win football games next year. You know, there's no, to me, there's not much wiggle room for, well, it's a new staff or, you know, I, I think with everything they're returning, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, lot of opportunity for Michigan next season. And really, to be honest, what looks like on paper, a more favorable schedule too, I think. I mean, not the worst schedule in the world, I suppose. I mean, we'll see how Indiana looks next year, but, and Wisconsin, I think will be interesting because the Wisconsin team that beat, like Wisconsin was not that good this year. Michigan was just horrible. I mean, we saw that play out (laughs) as the season continued, right? I mean, Wisconsin, would they lose like, three games in a row after beating Michigan or something. So, um, yeah. So no wiggle room. I think this move will be measured in, in, in how McDonald and, and Michigan's defense performs. Uh, not just in the big games either. I think in general. Yeah. I think they, I think the linguist hire really helped round out the staff because I think before that I was like, man, that's a lot of, um, a lot of newness in terms of like relatively new to recruiting at Michigan uh, and linguist is obviously new to Michigan as well, but I think his time at A&M and Minnesota and Mississippi state kind of showed that, okay, he he'll, he'll hit the ground running at Michigan. Um, you know, McDonald and Hilo, not a ton of on field. I mean, I think between the two of them, they have three years of on field college coaching experience. So not, I mean, not, not, we'll have to see, but I do think that they addressed all of their needs. 
Um, you know, certainly I, I understand where fans maybe wanted more change or a splashier hire, but in terms, if you're actually looking at like, what's, what's the checkbox splashy hires don't win championships. Good coaches do. So outbidding a, another big time school can be a net positive in the end, but that alone isn't going to help you win. So certainly a lot to find out a lot to consider moving forward, but I think that they did a cover. I mean, if you made the checkbox a month ago, I think they covered it and yeah, they have 19, four or five star recruits on the defensive side of the ball, eight returning starters, several, I want to say off the top of my head, like, 17 returning defensive two deep players. So it's going to be an experienced group. And certainly those numbers can change, uh, especially this year, especially, but seems like it's going to be a defense that can, well, that, that you aren't allowed to excuse Well, we won't excuse. We won't say, Oh, it's a new system. We won't give Michigan that pass. If you're a fan and you want to, that's fine. Uh, but this is a defense that on paper should be good right away steve anything else no maurice linguist actually literally made an offer while we were just finishing well, there recording. we go so i mean it's, so. it's been non-stop so i think and to be fair i think i i don't really think we've heard a lot of negative around any of the hires you have people wondering who the hell is this guy a couple times but nothing like right uh you know, and maybe Mike Hart being one of the first ones in this wave of hires. Maybe. I think Hart and McDonald and Linguist, I mean, you know, this is not a dig at Hilo, but I think those three were all met with like great positivity. Right. And that allowed, you know, maybe the more controversial things like the quote unquote going cheap or the unknownness of Hilo or keeping Nua, who I think many fans thought um, was on his way out. So I think, I think the, the fact that, Hart, McDonald, and Linguist were such welcome, like almost almost universally positive hires, I think did help kind of everyone. I think Michigan fans feel better than they did a month ago. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, and, and Linguist, you mentioned the offers hitting the ground running. So be sure to follow all of that over at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Uh, we have lots of free content, but also... Uh, some some premium scoops and recruiting scoops uh, from for our subscribers as well. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate it, send it to your friends. Hope you enjoyed the Wolverine twenty four seven podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.